Our gospel lesson today is another parable from the gospel of Luke, the rich man and Lazarus. As this parable is read, think about where you might enter this story. With whom can you identify? Now hear the word of the Lord as found in Luke 16, 19 through 31 on page 79 of your pew Bibles. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The word of the Lord. Be to God. It is a very special day when fourth graders receive their Bibles. Here is the tattered remains of the Bible I received from my grandmother when I was about that age. Once it had fine white leather binding and a zipper and my name embossed in gold on it. I read it every night. And it has traveled with me every place I have gone. When it came time to, for me to present a sermon before a committee of the New York City Presbytery in order to be certified for ordination, even though this is a King James Version, I, I read from the tattered pages of this Bible. 
We pray that these Bibles will act as a roadmap, helping each child navigate through the peaks and valleys of his or her own life journey. God's Word does speak to us throughout the seasons of our life, in different times, in different ways, bringing a fresh message each time we face new opportunities and new challenges. Through the Holy Spirit's gift of interpretation, God's Word can shape and reshape our thoughts, and perceptions of how we see God, ourselves, and other people. But perhaps nowhere is the elasticity and broad application of the Word of God more apparent than in the parables of Jesus, these short stories that stick with us from childhood. To old age. These stories, full of hyperbole and exaggeration, draw us in. They make us think. Just as these edgy stories challenge the values of the world of first century Palestine, so also they challenge the values of our world. As we have learned over the last couple Sundays, the parables of Jesus turn our world upside down in order to make it right side up. And by shaking things up, by challenging our preconceived notions, the parables open a window into the kingdom of God. The problems of wealth and poverty permeate the Gospel of Luke. But nowhere is this topic addressed more clearly and directly than in the parable we just heard, the rich man and Lazarus. You know, it's hard to imagine how anyone can read the Gospel of Luke and believe in the prosperity gospel that feel-good belief system that links faith with prosperity. Well, charismatic prosperity gospel preachers proclaim that God dispenses wealth and material goods to those whose faith is strong, while implying that the poor and sick have little faith and may even be punished for sin. In the social scientists, in the social sciences, we call that blaming the victim. Well, you know, similar beliefs were proponed back in the first century Palestine, the setting for this story. That is why this parable that Jesus tells is so disquieting and troubling and countercultural. It goes against the grain of a world that sees the possession of material wealth as a sign of God's grace and illness and poverty as a sign of God's displeasure. 
In true parabolic fashion, Jesus exaggerates to make a point. He talks about a very, very rich man who feasts every day on holiday meals and a very, very poor man who is how great, covered with open sores, so weak that he cannot even beg, who lies outside the rich man's gate, hoping to feed on scraps from the rich man's table. Yet this seemingly invisible man, whom the rich man does not see, or at least does not regard, lying outside the gate, is the only person in all of the parables who is identified by name. And what a name that is, Lazarus, meaning in Greek, the one whom God helps. When both characters die, Lazarus is welcomed into Abraham's bosom, a place of honor while the rich man, the one who is supposedly blessed because of his wealth, is in torment, dying of thirst in Hades. The shocked audience, identifying with the rich man, says, No, 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 this is not the way things are. This is not how things are supposed to turn out. This story makes us feel uncomfortable, maybe even guilty and afraid. Jesus, we don't want to hear these things. Why don't you just keep quiet? Here in this sanctuary, we feel uncomfortable too. Because we know there are people the world does not see lying outside our gate very close by. We are so busy, we sometimes wish that we could also ignore them. The problems of the world seem overwhelming, and our ability to help so insignificant. Yet those people lying right outside the gate tug on our hearts and force us to see our world in a new way. We hear Jesus telling us to open the gate and see all the invisible people, those who are hungry in a land of plenty, those lying on the streets because they are locked out of affordable housing, the sick for whom the gates of medical care do not open those locked out of employment because they have served time in prison. Could their names be Lazarus, the ones whom God helps? As a community of faith, we believe that these suffering folks, filled with sores, lying outside society's portals, are indeed the very people God helps 
And not only that, that we are called to do God's helping work. So we, with faith and often a trembling heart, open wide the gate and walk slowly toward Lazarus. Theologian George Buttrey cautions that this parable offers no support to the glib assumption that the rich man would have fulfilled his duty had he dressed Lazarus' sores or fed his hunger. True charity is not just flinging a coin to a beggar to assuage our guilt. It is not sporadic and superficial. But true charity grows from a strong belief in the invisible power of divine love. A love that not only lets us see the hidden suffering of those around us, but compels us to action. In this parable, God cautions us that wealth and power can lead to a type of solitary confinement where, like the rich man, we are isolated from the needs of others. But wealth and power can also be a source of great good, as all of you know. After all, Abraham, the biblical patriarch who welcomed Lazarus and all the faithful into his bosom, is depicted in the Bible as being quite a wealthy man. As we said here last week, what is important to God is not what we have, but how we use what we have. Unlike the rich man in this story, in this community of faith, we believe that our blessings are on loan from God, meant to be used as a blessing to others. We agree with Ambrose, that fourth century theologian, who said that the proper place to store our excess is in the mouths of the poor. That is why we cook breakfast at Miriam's kitchen and why many of us will go to Miriam's kitchens on Thursday night to learn about ways we can unlock the gate of homelessness once and for all. That is why we serve God's children who are unemployed through the Transition Assistance Program and cook dinner for the homeless and hungry at Our Lady of Lourdes. Why we work in Chicago, hoping that one day the gates of sustainability and self-sufficiency will open for all who live there. Why we give our time and money to interfaith works of Montgomery County, Jubilee Jobs, the Community Council for the Homeless, and other organizations intent on propping open society's closed doors. Before we read this parable, I ask you to think about 
where you enter this story. Perhaps you thought that you were to identify with either the rich man or Lazarus. But the parable is much more subtle than that. Scholars speculate that we are to identify with the brothers, the ones still living the good life on earth, the ones who still have a chance to serve, Lazarus lying outside their gate before it's too late. Will they, will we heed the word and follow that divine call of love? As a community of faith, even though we seek to practice good stewardship, we, like those brothers, must keep watching our gate to see who is out there. For God surely will continue to send the suffering our way. Let us now close with a prayer written centuries ago for all those who claim justice as their passion. The benediction of St. Francis. Let us pray. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers half-truths, and superficial relationships so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and the exploitation of people so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. And may God bless us with enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in the world, so that we can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. Amen.